This episode of The Taylor Stevens Show is brought to you by listeners, readers, and patrons. If you'd like to learn how to support this podcast, please visit www.patreon.com slash taylorstevens. Stevens, New York Times bestselling and award-winning author of Kick-Ass International Thrillers, and this is The Taylor Stevens Show with my good friend Steve Campbell, where we are kicking writing in the butt one word at a time. And this, I wish I had a drum roll sound effect. I would do the drum roll thing right now, but I don't. So anyway, this drum roll is the episode where Taylor reviews the, not really reviews, but shares the homework assignment that we all had several weeks ago so look forward to that but before we get to that we're going to talk about greenhorn worms (laughs) are we now (laughs) steve and i were talking about this right before we started recording and um i had my first experience with greenhorn worms which um for those of you who don't know are these massive like three to four inch long very squishy caterpillars that will devastate your plants, your gardens. I've had no issues. I haven't used any pesticides, any anything on my garden ever since I started it. And this was my first like, ah, freak out moment. But I, I went outside and I was looking at the garden. It's one o'clock in the morning. I tend to go out later because it's cooled down a bit and it's comfortable outside. And I, you know, I'm in the garden with my flashlight and I noticed that one of my pepper plants is just gone. It's it, it, yesterday. It was this beautiful, vibrant pepper bush. And now it's a bunch of twigs. And my first thought is, did one of the goats get in the garden? Like, how is this possible? And then I see movement and I'm like, oh, no. And I knew what they were, even though I've never encountered them. I knew what they were because I've seen other people share pictures of them on like Facebook groups or whatever, gardening groups saying, what is this? I just just destroyed my my plant. So they're they're moths. They're really, really large moths and they're the caterpillars of the moths. But that does not make them any less squishy (laughs) or loosen up their super glue little feet that refuse to let go of the branches. Oh, so I am like, I, I am not really in general, general, very squeamish about stuff. Like, you know, I'm dealing with all kinds of animal poop. Ha ha, Steve, I found a way to integrate the word poop into another podcast. Um, I deal with parasites. I deal with open wounds. I deal with all this stuff. And, it, you know, it doesn't really phase me. I've dealt with finding dead animals that are infested with maggots and having to dispose of them, which if you've never had to do that is one of the most disgusting things you could possibly have to deal with. But, you know, just on with it and get it done and, you know, try not to throw up. But these things, oh, my God, like I had to pull seven of them off and I'm just still shivering over it. The squishiness of them. So, yes, that was my experience with these hornworms. And can I just say, now that you you have uh, integrated poop into, I think this is our third or fourth show. <laughs> I don't our, know, but I'm, I'm on a roll with this now. I'm going to find a way to do it again. Our two-year-old grandson is in the process of being potty trained. So they bought him a book called, I think Everybody Poops. And his older brother, who is four, loves hearing them read that book to him. <laughs> and so. All he wants to do is talk about poop now. And so when he's over here, he's talking about it. It's like, why? We don't talk about that. And he just, he won't stop. 
And so I was talking to his dad about it today. He's like, oh, yeah, we bought this book. <laughs> and, and he, he loves it. So I think we need to get Wyatt on the podcast. We do. <laughs> <laughs> he is entertaining. I will, and we'd have to do video if we had Wyatt because he's very yeah. cute. He is very cute. I agree. All right. So drum roll. What do we have, Taylor? All right. So a few be- weeks back. Well, actually, this goes all the way back to episodes 242 and 243. Yes, I had to go look that up, in which we were analyzing uh, the opening sequence for The Innocent. And we went over that and we were breaking down why it works, what was great about it and all of that. Great episodes. You should go listen to them if you haven't. But lest anybody be confused thinking that that's how all the work was, I thought it was only fair that we equally analyze the scene opening that didn't work. (laughs) And um, that brought us to episode 244, where we talked about critical missing critical elements. Why? What was wrong with this thing? And I mean, this this opening really failed to deliver on every count, which was shocking because it was still very well written for what it was. And it excusable in that sense, but not from the sense of really trying to master the craft and looking at why scenes work and why they don't. So after we went through that whole tutorial and broke it down, I was like, well, I cannot rewrite my own work. If I go down this path, I will disappear down a rabbit hole and I will get nothing done for the next 10 months because I won't be able to stop. So I opened it up as a writing assignment. Okay, you guys have been listening to this podcast for so many years. You know how to do this you fix it and show me what you got. And I heard from quite a number of listeners who said that they wanted to do it and they planned to do it. But in the end, I only received two submissions. Now, the rule, as I announced there, um, was I announced in the original um, podcast thingy, was that whoever won out of all the submissions that I got, I would read their submission on the show without commentary, wasn't going to try and critique it or break it down and use it as a way to promote their work. Um, and that was if I ended up getting more than one, but it just so happens that one of the people who submitted is our wonderful co-host, Steve. So he cannot win. He can't in the same way, in the same way that, um, in the same way that I can never win when you go through my material. Uh, (laughs) Oh, 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 that was good. All right. I want, I want to. I want for you to share what you told me. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> before you opened this, before you oh. read my submission. Okay, well, you have, to, you have to understand that Steve and I, as you can tell when you listen to us, we ha- we, we're, really, we're friends, right? And Steve We used to knows. be friends. <laughs> Steve knows <laughs> that I... I don't have a malicious bone in my body. I just have a really big mouth and I sometimes put my foot in it. But um, so he had asked me, well, what what did you think of that? What did you think of it? And he really cared more about getting my opinion than even having his name attached to the submission or anything. And so I was like, you know, well, it was really good. You know, I, I thought, you know, it was, it was definitely something that I... If, if I was to take it and put in my own voice, I could actually use that to replace the material that was, was in the book. And we started talking a little bit more, and he asked me something else, I forget what, and it triggered something in my brain. And I started laughing, and I said, okay, well, I don't really know how to tell you this without it coming across wrong, but it was way better than I thought it would be. 
he won't. He won't stop. He won't. He, oh my he won't god! Leave me alone. <laughs> and I love that. I laughed and uh, probably cried a little bit inside, but it was very, <laughs> very funny. And uh, yeah, uh, so that was that was what she said. Yeah, like I said, I have a big mouth. <laughs> and you know what? The really funny thing is what she said. I don't know how to tell you this, or I'm not sure if I should tell you this. And then there was no pause at all. And then she just went straight ahead. <laughs> so it wasn't like, let me think about this to decide whether or not I should tell you. It was, I'm going for it. Yeah, it's because I trust and love Steve so much that I knew that even if I fell, he'd be there to catch me and it would all be okay at the end. <laughs> okay, I think I covered for that. All right, yeah, good, okay. good job. Good job by you. So anyway. Yes, anyway, let me, let me say that I was pretty happy with what I said. So I was pleased by the first part of your response, and I got a go. really good laugh out of the second part. <laughs> so, yes, Steve can win, but in the terms of prizes and drawings, there's kind of this rule, you know, where it's like, you know, if you're a family member, if you work for the company, la, 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 you're not supposed to enter. And it kind of applies here in that situation, too. So um, I, what I'm going to do is I'm gonna I'm still gonna read it and I'm not gonna pick a winner because we know that Steve can't win and there was only one other person who submitted. So um, I'm just gonna read the original that I wrote and I'm gonna refresh you on what it was we were looking for in terms of why it didn't work. And then I'm going to read Steve's entry and I'm going to read our other entry. And that's what we're gonna do right now, okay? Okay, let's do it. So moving forward, here we have the original. And this is from chapter nine of The Innocent. And this is how that chapter opens. It's San Telmo, Buenos Aires. Their hotel wasn't a hotel, but rather a hostel, a small single story of shared and private rooms, a common kitchen and a small living area located south of the city, sorry, south of the city center in the oldest neighborhood. The area was made up of colonial buildings and cobblestone streets, cafes and milongas, all of it vibrant and alive with color. And here they would stay until Monroe had a better grasp of what the job entailed and the length of time required to pull it off. Like Monroe, Logan was committed for the duration, but Gideon only had two weeks and Heidi three before they had to return home. Without consulting Monroe, they developed their own set of expectations as to how quickly the project would progress. And as with everything else surrounding their involvement, Monroe ignored them and ignored the expectations. The little group had two rooms side by side, and the boys' master plan and the minimal operating budget called from Monroe to stay with Heidi. The walls, though thin, were a continuation of the same barrier that 14 rows of seats had thankfully provided during the flight. And although this arrangement was better than being cooped up with either Gideon or Logan, Sharing a room did not provide the solitude Monroe so desperately craved. She needed sleep, needed it badly. She had promised Bradford that she'd try to go under without medication, but none of this was possible while sharing a space with someone else. Gideon had allotted a few hours to clean up, rest, and otherwise settle before reconvening in the late afternoon. Fighting the urge to drift off, Monroe lay down, waited until Heidi reached the rhythmic patterns of sleep, then slipped from her bed and headed out the door. Summary of the breakdown of why that uh, chapter, that scene opening didn't work is because first we have no idea whose head we're in until we reach the fourth paragraph. Second, we have no idea where that person's body, Monroe's body, is in space or time or place until the end of the fifth paragraph. Third, we're thrown a lot of scene setting that could be considered mood and atmosphere, but because all that comes before we know whose head we're in, it's mostly noise. 
Fourth, we're also thrown a decent amount of information and strategy before we know whose head we're in. And so it, too, becomes filler, somewhat detached like a placeholder. And so even though it doesn't technically classify as an info dump, it still kind of feels that way because it's detached from the, slow, the flow of the story movement. And fifth, we have to get all the way through this segment before the mental movie begins to play. Like until we get all the way to Monroe laying down and waiting for Heidi to sleep and then slipping from her bed, there's actually no action. There's no forward movement. So those were the big issues. And um, you can go back and listen to that podcast because we really go through into them in depth and why that qualifies. We break down which which sentences give rise to which issues and such. And now we're going to move on. And this is Steve's rewrite. And as I said in the episode where we talked about all this, uh, I am not going to make any comments. There's This is not a critique. This is was a writing exercise. And I'm just so glad that we had these two submissions that I have something to present. It would be really sad if there was just dead air. Um, and so this is gratitude. And um, I hope you guys enjoy it. Santelma Buenos Aires. Monroe stepped around a long table, running fingers across the top of a well-used wooden chair. The kitchen was clean, utilitarian, as was the small living room. Logan had chosen these accommodations, a single-story hostel in a quaint south-of-the-city neighborhood made up of colonial buildings and cobblestone streets, cafes and malongas, all of it vibrant and alive with color. She'd have preferred the anonymity of a large hotel, but this would work at least until she had a better grasp of what the job entailed and the length of time required to pull it off. The four of them followed Logan down a bright hallway. He pointed at two open doorways leading to side-by-side -side rooms. This is us, he said. Monroe's gaze continued down the hall. She noted window placements and calculated steps to the nearest exterior door while Logan explained the minimal operating budget plan which called for Monroe to stay with Heidi. When he finished and moved aside, Monroe stepped through the door to the room and dropped her backpack on the bed to the left, leaving the nearest, leaving the bed nearest the shared wall to Heidi. That small amount of extra space was a continuation of the barrier that 14 rows of seats had provided during the flight. Not perfect, but this arrangement was better than being cooped up with either Gideon or Logan. After the day's travel, she craved solitude and needed sleep. She'd promised Bradford that she'd try to at least try to go under without medicating, but none of this was possible while sharing space with someone else. Let's give Steve a huge round of applause. I was actually really, really impressed by what he did. Honestly. That's not what you said. I did. I just <laughs> said it differently. <laughs> saying I really was really, really impressed by it is just a different way of saying it so much better. <laughs> oh, my goodness. All right. Okay. Move now. So, but, now we have the winning entry. Oh uh, yes, but I just want to say that you know you did hit it. We know whose head we're in. We know where that body is in time and space. We we know all of that before we're given any movement or thrown any atmosphere, and all the information follows in a logical flow from that. And the mental movie is playing from the very beginning. So you did answer all of those issues. Good job there. We're not going to say anything more about it. Okay. <laughs> this next entry is from Carol. Um, C.A. Newsom, Carol Ann Newsom, who is a fan of the show and has been 
such a good sport in just, yes, so much lovely feedback and interaction, Carol. We love you. Um, Carol writes the, oh God, I hope I say this right. Is it Leah or Leah? I think it's Leah. Leah. It it is Leah. Yes. Okay. So uh, Carol writes the Leah Anderson Dog Park Mysteries, and they're a series of fun, romantic, suspense mystery novels inspired by and centered around her mornings at the Mount Airy Dog Park with two former street urgents named Shada and Chewy, who are Chewbacca, the wonder pup, master of confusion, along with a furry piranha named Gypsy Full of Beans. Okay, it's hilarious how it's spelled out. Sorry, and I'm just butchering this. And um, I pulled this off of Carol's website, and there's actually a picture of Gypsy. And um, Carol sometimes posts pictures of Gypsy, Gypsy Full of Beans, um, in the Facebook group. So um, Gypsy's a lot of fun. Um, Carol's a, a lifelong lover of fiction. She turned to books and audiobooks during her decade-long recovery from a head injury. Years of immersing herself in popular fiction led to imagining the book she wanted to read and wondering if she could write it. The result was the f- first book in her mystery series. She's also an artist with an MFA from the University of Cincinnati, and you'll see portraits of some of her favorite four-footed friends on the covers of her books. She enjoys creating community-based public artwork, as an artist, she is best known for her New Leaf Global Goodwill Guerrilla Art Project. And I have read um, her first book, Shot in the Bark, A Dog Park Mystery. Um, and it's a lot of fun. And it is available free in ebook. I know it's available on Amazon for free. I'm not sure about the other platforms, but I would have to assume it's also available for free there. And so if you're looking for a real fun, just Airy, and not airy as an airheaded, but like it's not dark. It's not like super emotionally intense where you come out of it feeling like you need to catch your breath. Just it's a fun escapist read. Then you really should go check it out. Um, and I'm not just saying that. So, and can I just I really say really that the Carol's yeah. covers? I, I think it's amazing that she she paints the the images that wind up on her covers. That's, it's just tremendous. She's very talented, both as an author and as an artist. And uh, yeah, we, we really appreciate all she does for the show. I want to say that the thing that I find most amazing is that she wrote these books while recovering from a head injury, because there was a point um, in these last couple of years where I experienced the equivalent without actually physically it was like a trauma related injury where my brain just kind of shut down and shut off and um the the result was trying the 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 struggle with thinking with finding words with even being able to get out of bed and do really basic things was similar to what someone who has a traumatic actual physically traumatic head injury goes through and i i don't even understand how she managed to do this it 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 no under, having been through that myself now and not to the same degree because mine was not or actual physical organic damage um i i just i'm in awe of the ability to push through that and be able to use writing as a mechanism for recovery that's just amazing to me. So anyway, here is Carol's entry to this. Monroe lay on her back on the narrow cot, mapping cracks in the ceiling as she assessed her current situation. An arm's reach away, a restless Heidi shifted on her own thin, lumpy mattress, jet lag fighting daylight in search of rest during the few hours allotted by Gideon before they reconvened in the afternoon. Gideon and Logan occupied the room on the other side of the thin wall. Their sleeping arrangements in the aging hostel, part of the master plan the boys cobbled together, 
indicative of their non-existent operating budget. Here, they would stay until Monroe had a better grasp of what the job entailed and the time required to pull it off. Logan was committed for the duration, but Gideon had only two weeks and Heidi three before they had to return home. Without consulting Monroe, they developed expectations as to how the project would progress. As with everything else surrounding their involvement, Monroe ignored them and ignored the expectations. It was the only way to deal with amateurs. She needed sleep badly, but the shared accommodations denied her the solitude she craved and so desperately needed if she were to go under without medicating. It was a promise made to Bradford, a promise to at least try. Their location compounded the problem of sleep, south of the city center in the oldest neighborhood, colonial buildings, cafes, malangas, vibrant and alive with color, the sound of traffic on the cobblestone streets penetrating the walls. The light, the noise, the lack of resources, the mix of hope and despair in Logan's eyes, a jumble of thought and sensation which left her staring at the ceiling, following a series of cracks that resembled rivers in Eastern Europe while her hamster wheel brain refused to shut down. By the time Heidi's breathing settled into the rhythmic patterns of sleep, she'd reached a particularly twisty section of the Danube in Romania. Monroson rendered to the impossibility of rest and silently slipped from her bed, heading out the door. That's uh, really good. Huge applause for Carol. Yeah, that's huge, really huge good. Applause. So I have no uh, hesitation in saying both of these entries are way better than my original. Different in the sense that every author has their different voice, different in the way that they um, were just drawing the, to the best of their ability off the material that was in that one small section when really books are, every piece of a book is just part of a larger whole. And I just love this. I, Carol, that was awesome. That's really, really good. Thank you. So those are our entries. And I'm so sad that the rest of you guys who said that you would send them in didn't. And you know what? You can still send them to me and I might be able to slip them in here or there. So, you know, I, hope springs eternal. But that's what we have right now. All right. And can I just make an observation as a part of the process? Yes. Uh, just based on going through the process. Number one, it was really fun to write Monroe for just a few paragraphs. That was fun. And the second thing was... When we, when we did the opening of the chapter for the, the two the two back-to-back podcasts, I was just focused on that opening, but I decided, oh, I'm going to go back and read the end of the chapter before that, and I'm like, oh, this is good. I want to go back before that, and I wound up going like two chapters before that, and I've, obviously I've read the book, I've listened to the book, and I'm like, oh, this is good. This, I need to read this book again. So, yeah, there's that. Well, that's good. There's, um, I did a... For those of you who've been following my book club posts on these, because, you know, it's I, I write about my thoughts and feelings on the work as I, I go along. It's the only way for me to really honestly assess them. I, I can't pretend that I'm enjoying something if I'm not enjoying it and still be authentic. Right. My purpose for reading the rereading these books has been to get back into Monroe's head. And to because it's been so long that I've spent away from her and I've been slowly getting through. Them. So I finished The Innocent and my my writing on the innocent was very interesting. There's it's, it's a psychological study in me, in, in fear, in, in despair, in, um, letting fear control your reality and being an idiot about it <laughs> because the, the innocent is a really personal book for me, but there was a lot more going on in terms of how it played into the series, like my um, experience with publishing. And even though going back and reading the book now, um, having bit, read the book now, I, I know this is a really, really good book uh, by any standard. But at the time, 
I had absorbed a sense of failure to that book. I had set out specifically to achieve a specific thing, and I had failed. Not that I had, but I had absorbed that belief as true. Um, and there are reasons for it, and you'll ha- I, I spend a lot of time analyzing why what happened happened. But and you'd have to read the, the post. They're free on Patreon. They're open to the public. Go ahead, read my shame. Um, <laughs> but basically, I was bringing so much baggage from the past into this read that um, the best way I knew know how to describe it was like if you've ever known some or seen a movie, known somebody who's so afraid of the water, and then their friends, horrible friends, drag them into it, and they. they kid or the guy or whatever is just flailing, 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 thinks he's drowning. And then his feet touch the bottom and he's like, oh, and he stands up and the water's like barely waist high, right? Horrible friends that would do that to somebody. But anyway, that was me going into this book. I hit a bumpy patch. Um, and that bumpy patch starts at around chapter nine-ish and, and goes, you know, maybe chapter 15. I forget exactly how far it goes. But um, the, it, it, it's not the strongest part of the book. You know, uh, and I got to that patch and I stopped reading because in my mind, the whole thing was going to be like that. And it was just going to be awful. And I, I, it hurt too much. It, it was like reaffirming every fear, every sense of failure, every horrible thing that I still hadn't processed through relating to the publication of that book. It was just your awful, your failure. Um, and not like I'm thinking those exact words. It's this overwhelming sense of doom, really. And that's my brain lying to me because if I had, I was so wrapped up in this belief that it was real to me. And I saw something that seemed to indicate that that belief was real. And I just accepted that that was how it was. And I never went any further. So I finally was like, well, if I don't finish this thing, it's going to um, then I'll never write the post. And then I just have to admit that I failed in that, too. So I'll just finish it. And I kept on reading and I got a couple pages past the bumpy part and I couldn't put it down. It was so good. And it's good in a way that is it's psychological and it's it's rich in, in the way that it, all these different threads intertwine and it would have been really easy as a writer to simply have those threads exist and not give them that intertwining depth. And the fact that I was able to do that while not even really understanding what I was doing, that is, to me, looking back on it, knowing what I know now, that is amazing. And I was finally able to see this book in the light that it, it truly deserved as something truly awe-inspiring and I'm gonna cry so I'm just gonna stop talking so is what you're saying that it was better than you expected (laughs) so much (laughs) all right and with that we will wrap up this week's episode thank you guys so much for listening we will be back in your ear again next Tuesday see you next week